What's going on, world? You have tuned into another episode of Corrected Felon. I am your guy, your host, Corey, or known on Instagram and Twitter as Inspires Block. So please be sure to you know follow me on both of those platforms and also on YouTube. Please subscribe, like, and comment on both the YouTube channel and the podcast Inspires the Block. I hope everyone is having a wonderful start to the new year. And the way I am, because I'm still here, I've made it to see another year, and I'm constantly trying to work on myself and grow to become a better person, but I'm not because my Lions not in the playoffs. Ah, that hurt so bad. This is the second year in a row when I thought we had a great shot at it, but we didn't. But I still support them. For those that's watching the YouTube channel, I got my Lions hat on, my Lions hoodie, even got my Lions, uh, Detroit Lions drinking cup. And for those in the listening world, it is, you can't see it, but I do have everything on. And once again, I just want to salute everybody that has been supporting me on these uh, platforms and understanding what I'm trying to put out there, the message that we live in a world where there's man, a multitude of people, millions of people that have been, uh, been convicted of a felony, but who wants to make a major impact in this world. But there are so many restraints uh, against correct, uh, convicted felons, and it is my hope and prayer that I can provide some inspiration and information so that we won't be continuing to be judged by something that we did in the past or the mistake that we made presently, because a lot of us desire change. And one of the things that is uh, helping produce change is us. We have to be accountable for our actions. You know, ultimately, we desire criminal justice reform, but however, it has to start first with the criminal. I will never... Uh, uh, sidetrack that or think otherwise. And if we get any help from the federal government, then that's just an added bonus. And so what I want to do is last episode, I talked about the First Step Act. That is the criminal justice reform bill that was introduced and signed into law by the United States Congress and also uh, Donald Trump. In last episode, I talked about the things that I you know, disagree with in the bill or how it didn't really hit the mark like it could have. And I have promised you guys that I would talk about the good things in the bill in this episode. And so that's what I'm going to do. Once again, if you would like to, you can pull it up. You can, uh, you can pull the bill up yourself, study it, review it and go over it. And it's on congress.gov. You just can pull it up. They have it there. It's called the first act, uh, Senate bill three, six, four, nine. And so now some of the things that I want to talk about in this bill, I think that is very helpful to actually uh, reform convicted felons or prisoners. And they have a, a few things in here that I think that is good that I was personally affected by when I was incarcerated. And one of the things is they have a lot of privileges that if a prisoner shows evidence that they are likely not to reoffend, then while they're incarcerated, they can benefit from these different programs that they have. And one of them is phone and visitation privileges. Okay. And the bill it says a prison who is successfully participating in a evidence-based recidivism pro, uh, reduction program shall a phone privileges or if available video conferences privileges for up to 30 minutes per day and up to 510 minutes per month. And B, 
additional time for visitation at the prison as determined by the warden of the prison. Let me explain why this is so important. Because when I first went to prison back in 1995, that the phone privileges, you had them, but they were very ridiculous. They were very high, very expensive, and they were taxing on my friends and family's phone bills. So that's why I really couldn't call a lot. Now what they have done on a federal and state level is to re is reduce the cost so that prisoners can have constant contact with their family. It's very important in the morale of a prisoner because if you don't have contact with your family, now you feel lost because nine times out of 10, you're incarcerated somewhere that's over two hours, especially on a state level. You're usually far away from your home or on a federal level, man, you in states way out. So by actually reducing the cost and allowing prisoners to have more access to telephones to communicate with their family and their children helps them to understand that they have something more important uh, out there and that once they get there by building these relationships over the telephone or video conference helps them to build themselves up so that they can maintain their freedom once they get there. Another one is uh, transfer to an institution closer to a release residence. Now, this is a real big one, you know, to where you can have, you can be at a prison where, you know, you're close to your family. You can get these visits, you know, on, on a regular basis. You know, if I give you an example, when I was incarcerated in my last couple of years of being incarcerated, well, the whole 17 years that I was incarcerated, um, I was never close to home. I was always either an hour and a half or two or uh, two plus hour drive from my family so i didn't get visits as much as i would like to you know my mother and, and and father and grandfather and other relatives would come you know maybe like once a month or something like that or if they could more they would do it but now especially on the federal level it says successfully participate in an evidence-based recidivism reduction program should be considered by the bureau of prisons for a placement in a facility closer to the prisons the prisoners release residence upon request from the prisoner and subject to bed availability at the transfer facility that's a b the prisoner security designation and c the re recommendation from the warden of the prison at which the prison is incarcerated at the time of making the request so if a prisoner has access to be closer to home then they can make these requests and then they can have more access to their family seeing their children hugging their children hugging their mother and things like that so this is another good aspect of the bill another one that i really love is time credits now in the michigan department of corrections uh, they don't have that they do happen for people that were incarcerated if i'm not mistaken before uh, 1998 and I was one of those individuals that fell up under the time credits and now in the Michigan Department of Corrections if you go to prison right now if they sentence you to 10 years you have to do 10 years it's just that it's just a flat time that you have to do and after that then you are eligible for parole but what they have now especially on a federal level is the time credits it says a in general a prisoner except for ineligible prisoners under paragraph D those really for violent offenders who successfully complete evidence-based reduction recidivism programming or productive activities shall earn time credits as follows one a person shall earn 10 days of time credit for every 30 days of successful participation 
an evidence-based recidivism reduction program or productive activity. What this is saying is that if they are participating in activities that's going to help them stay out and also with good behavior, for every 30 days that they do in prison, they get 10 days taken off. That is excellent. That is excellent uh, um, uh, benefit when being a, when you're incarcerated. It says a prison determined by the Bureau of Prisons to be at a minimum or low risk for recidivating for uh, recidivating who over two consecutive assessments assessments has not increased their risk of recidivism shall earn an additional five days of time credit for every 30 days of successful participation in evidence-based recidivism reduction program or productive activities meaning this year they can add another five days to the 10 days that they're getting off for every 30 days they do without any problems or participating in these uh, programs that they have available. So that's a very good thing, you know, that now on a federal level, they can earn good time, as we call it, back in Michigan, in the Michigan Department of Corrections. And so this will help reduce the prison population if prisons are participating in these activities and not getting in any kind of trouble. So these are real good things, but it's one thing that I also want to talk about, and you probably heard me read it a lot, where it talks about participation in evidence-based recidivism reduction program or productive activities. Now, let me give you their definition on what they mean by that. Now, it says definitions. Evidence-based recidivism uh, reduced program. And this is how they define these things to determine it. It says, A. A, prison, a, a prisoner has shown evidence to reduce recidivism or is based on research indicating that it is likely to be effective in, re, in reducing recidivism. B is designed to help prisoners succeed in their communities upon release from prison. And C may include social learning and communication, interpersonal anti-bullying, rejected response, rejection response, and other life skills. And they go to uh, list some things that they think that is evidence-based that will help a prisoner not reoffending, which is family relationship building, structured parent-child interaction, and parenting skills. Now, this will help with the visitation things. You know, these programs that they get involved with, as long as you can have a relationship with your family, they feel like these are the things that will help uh, a prisoner likely to not reoffend. It says classes on moral, morals or ethics. Academic classes, cognitive behavior treatment, mentoring, substance abuse treatment, vocational training, faith-based classes or services, civic engagement, uh, community classes, a prison job, including through a prison work program, victim impact classes, or other restorative justice programs, and trauma counseling and trauma-informed support groups. So... These are the things that I that they've come up with that I believe are actually good in the bill. That actually are really, really good in the bill, you know. And even though I feel as a whole, it's still missed a mark on a lot of things. These are the good things that, that stuck out to me when it comes to criminal justice reform. Now, let's call it the first step. I was having a conversation with a friend last night. Uh, my friend Dyson, good friend I've been knowing for about about 18 years, who I've did time with, and he's still incarcerated. He's off, 
He served over uh, 25 years now, and he's doing a life without parole sentence. And me and him was having a great conversation last night on the phone. We spoke for about a good 45 minutes, and he was giving me his understanding of the bill and what he liked about it. And I was giving him my understanding on what I liked and disliked about it. I mean, because keep in mind, they're informed. You know, they know what's going on, even though they're incarcerated. And Dyson is in the Michigan Department of Corrections. And so we just had a beautiful conversation. We actually, you know, helped one another understand each other's positions on the bill. And he had told me something in the conversation that I thought was very imperative, it was very important, and it made me feel like I have a lot of work to do because I try to be a voice for the voiceless. And he told me that I have to continue to work to have a seat at the table because I know personally how it feels to be incarcerated, now, which I do. I, I, I did 17 years. I've been home over six and I know what it's like. I understand that if given that opportunity, you know, you can make a successful transition from a criminal lifestyle to more of a productive citizen lifestyle. And I believe also too that this shouldn't just be based on non-violent offenders. Like keep in mind, a lot of uh, violent offenders are coming home. All of them not doing life without parole. All of them not just stuck in the penitentiary doing 30, 50, 60, 70 years. So they coming home. So what our society has to do is not only uh, give those that are non-violent offenders an opportunity to succeed in the society, but they have to give it to violent offenders also. They have to do it. We can't uh, continue to separate the two as if they're different classes of people. Being convicted of a felony, whether it's a drug or a murder, is still being convicted of a felon. It's just that simple. We have to acknowledge the two. And so it is my sheer hope and desire that I can inform others about this. That we, even myself, I went for murder. I know other people that have went for murder and we're not proud about it by far. We're not wearing it as a badge of honor. No, we're not doing that. In fact, most of us feel bad about going to prison for such a, a, a crime. You know, we never want to repeat that again because we know the hurt that it caused uh, family members. And also we know with the hurt that it caused the victim's family members. So we, we, don't, we don't feel good about that. That's not a badge of honor. We don't feel proud about that. We're not glorifying what we went to prison for. So what society has to understand is that violent offenders desire and must have a second chance also. It's imperative if we want to do this thing correctly. If we really want criminal justice reform, then we have to stop classifying felons in different categories as if one is deserving of the other of, of the restorative rights and another one and the other one is not. Just like even in Florida, even though they restored the voting rights of convicted felons, they didn't restore them for violent offenders. That doesn't make any sense. That's wrong. A, a convicted felon is a convicted felon. So there's a lot of work to be done. I'm going to be one of those that's continually putting out information on how we can get this job done correctly. And also, I'm going to hold us accountable first. I'm going to hold the convicted felons accountable first before we actually want or seek help from others. Like, we have to be 
the change once again that we seek. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Corrected Felon. Um, please subscribe, like, and comment to my YouTube channel. Please su subscribe, like, and comment to Corrected Felon Podcast. You also can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Inspires the Block. And just get at your boy. Let's do this work. Let's get together. Let's build a nation of, 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 of righteous people that's willing to do right. And what I mean by righteous people, I'm not talking about religious aspect. I mean just simply trying to do right. We have that influence, and let's use that our voices and our influence to change the world. Until the next episode, I am your boy, Corey, or inspires the block. I'm fine with either one because it is my desire to inspire the block to do right. And until next episode, have a blessed day on purpose.